How are we going, mates? Welcome back to the Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland Smith. I'm about to be joined by fellow Aussie Grant Balfour, as well as our special guest this week. I'm a huge, huge fan of this dude. Great comeback year. Mitch Hanniger, 39 bombs, 100 ribbies. Man, that was fun to watch. Speaking of fun to watch, we just got done with the World Series. That was a blast too, especially after everything that went on with 2020. Shortened season, seeing the Astros lose everything that goes with it. Team Brian Snitker, man, loved watching that story. Now, if you're new to the show, please click subscribe. We are two former players giving you the player's perspective, but you just can't take yourself too seriously. doesn't matter who you are. We kick off every show with word of the day. We also have our Aussie segment at the end. We're going to have a lot of fun, but make sure you subscribe and you tell your mates, share this around. We're trying to build this podcast so we can keep doing it. And go follow us on social media at the Top Step Podcast over on Instagram and Twitter. Can't forget that. All right, enough of that. Let's get right into it as Mitch Hanniger, Grant Balfour, join me right here on the Top Step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> Face Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. As six. Victor Martinez and Grant Balfour join and benches have cleared. My goodness. This this is Grant Balfour being Grant Balfour. Yeah. He, he is, as you mentioned, Jim, he's amped up. He talks a lot. It's not personalized, but he talks a lot. In fact, he has the demeanor of a guy that wants to fight you. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. Grant, how was the, uh, how was the weekend, champ? Oh, mate, bloody beautiful. You know, I can't complain. Sun's out and um, yeah, we're loving it, mate. Sun's out up here as well, mate, in, in Seattle. Can you believe it? You wouldn't yeah. believe it. You wouldn't. No, it was, it was <laughs> <laughs> windy, hammering rain all weekend. I've got to uh, say that. Way less hectic than Halloween last weekend. I guess that, that, that's how it goes up there in Seattle. They get that weather. But, mate, you get some beautiful summers, and I'm sure you guys have just come out of that. It's gorgeous up there during that time of the year. Hey, did you, did you move the clocks? Clocks back in Florida? Yeah, woke up and um, this morning it was uh, bright out, mate. The last, you know, last week was dark and I'm taking the kids to school. And this morning the kids are like, What's going on, Dad? It's bright out, you know? I said, Yeah, yeah, we got the, the clocks going back, you know? I do not understand up here in Seattle why they even bother doing that, dude. Because I mean, I'm driving home last night, it's 4 45 and it's pitch black. I'm like, Oh, man, come on, just leave oh, it, yeah. leave the clocks back where they were, honestly. They need to. Yeah. Dark enough yeah, as it tough. is. Yeah. All right, Grant. Listen, speaking of Seattle, we do have a special guest on with us. He's joining us here in a second. Mitch yep. Hanniger, such a good year for so many different reasons. Number yep. one, he missed a boatload of time, you know, 2020, 2019. He missed all that with these crazy injuries and surgeries and stuff. I want to get into that. I can't wait to ask him all about, you know, the, him coming back this year. He had this big article or story or letter or whatever you want to call it in the Players' Tribune. I'm going to dive into that uh, yeah. with him. But, uh, but no, I'm excited, man. He's, um, when, when you look back at his kind of last couple of years, it kind of reminds me a lot of some of the stuff that you and I talked about with your career too, man. I mean, yeah. some of the, you had the shoulder, then you had the elbow. 
or the other way around? Like, where did you go? Elbow, shoulder? Where, where uh, you have elbow, to go? shoulder. Elbow, shoulders, knees, and toes, mate. You know how the song goes. <laughs> <laughs> But I went, I did it honestly went elbow shoulder. And then later in my career, it was uh, the knee. <laughs> that was it. I guess the toes coming next. <laughs> right. But you, but, uh, you, yeah. but you had that that feeling where whether people were saying it or not, but you had that that doubt, you know what I mean? Where, where people were just kind of writing you off, thinking, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's had his time and now he's he's done skis. Right in the right in the middle of it, too. It wasn't like you were 38 years old getting the stuff done. You were right in the thick of it, and then you had to deal with this. And rightfully so, there's going to be people that doubt things. You're, you're the one, you're the one wearing the shoes, and you're the one dealing with all the injuries. And at the end of the day, you're the one that's got to put in all that effort and um, and the hard work to come back. And you know, if you don't believe in yourself, I mean, it's really hard to have someone else believe in you. Is my train of thought. Yeah, you know, they told me, hey, you might have five percent of coming back and being who you were. I said, well, if, if it's five percent, it's kind of like you know. See, you told me there's a chance. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hey, mate, five percent, five percent. We're always used to jokes. A lot of rehab guys would be like, "Hey, I'm going to be that five percent," you know. Yeah. But you were serious at the same time. So I can't wait, man. Just because you know he was on a mission this year. There, you saw it in spring training. We're going to get to that in a second. Before we do, like we start off every show, we nearly, I nearly forgot it. By the way, we're going to yeah. kick it off with word of the day. It's an Aussie word that you, Grant, or myself, we dive into and give some examples. We explain the word. The word of the day this week is bludger. Mate, uh, used a lot back home in Australia. Not so much here for all the Americans listening today, but anyone that's bludging, you might be sitting on the couch or you might be just sitting around the house being lazy. Basically, someone that, you know, you're a bludger, mate. Come on, you know, get off your butt and, and do something. You're basically just someone who's lazy, you know, not really pulling your weight around. Yeah, you're you're a bludger. You're bludging. So basically, just being lazy. I remember, you know, like your mum would walk in and on a Sunday morning and it's like, come on, get up. Would you stop bludging? <laughs> <laughs> get out of bed and quit bludging. <laughs> well, your dad would roar in, oh, you bludging bastard. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, yeah, yeah, help teenager. me out in the yard or something. <laughs> Stop being a bludgeon bastard. <laughs> up since seven, you know, mowing lawns and you still ain't in bed sleeping till 11, 12 as a teenager. Uh, uh, now, now, listen, the, the, the goal is here and, and you have to throw this word in. Not in the Aussie segment at the end. That's grouse, which is our Aussie segment at the end of this show. Always finish with the Aussie segment. You can't use it. That's too easy, right? To use yeah. bludgeon when we start going off on, a, on the, our Aussie tangent. You have to throw it in. Now, if you throw it in, with Mitch Hanniger, that's extra points. But otherwise, you can. Right. while we're having a quick chat before Mitch jumps on, you got to throw it into a sentence somehow, and then uh, then you're the winner. I don't know what yeah. you win. What do you win? I don't know, mate. <laughs> Mars bar. <laughs> a a, a six-pack of Bang Energy drink. There you go. Oh, there you go. A That'll Mars work. bar. <laughs> uh, I used to love a good Mars bar. All right, so I do want to talk about this. We just had the World Series, and I loved it, man. I had a blast watching it. I was I was locked in, especially after 2020, dude. Now, no offense to the the the, the Dodgers winning the World Series, but a 60 games yeah. 60 game season, yeah. no fans. Then you had what 20 percent capacity in a in a um, you know neutral stadium, whatever you want to call it. 
you know, it, ju- it just wasn't the same. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not taking for granted the fact we had baseball and I got to have a job for 60 days working. Yeah, yeah. But at the same yeah. time, this it was epic this time, I, I think. It really was. And also, too, you hate to see the Astros go into the World Series because of everything that you saw. But I love the fact that you had that. Everyone had the the, the Braves yeah. back, in a sense, and across the country, especially here in Seattle, too. Everyone I spoke to is like, oh, hey, go Braves. And everyone was hating on the Astros, unless you're from Houston. So I just had that good sort of good versus evil feel to it. You know what I mean? Oh, I did, mate. I ended up with an axe in the back from uh, the Astros. <laughs> a lot of axes going um, there in Atlanta, mate. But, uh, yeah, and no, that was awesome. I mean, like you said, after 2020, you know, obviously great to watch some baseball for 60 games, but just not being a full season and everything that everyone went through. Tough year for a lot of people. Some people even opting out, not even playing. So to get back and play and have baseball, get to watch it, full season, back in the full swing of things with the fans, the atmosphere, where it all counts. Yeah, mate, it was awesome. And a couple of things I do, talking on the brave side of things, Brian Snitker, just a cool story, man. I feel like every time he got on an interview or post-game interview or in front of you know reporters and stuff, he always went back to the, hey, I can't believe I'm sitting here. I can't believe I'm sitting here with you guys. I used to watch this on the couch and just when I was in the minor leagues, you know, riding those buses, he was a career, basically a career minor leaguer, especially as a manager too, just doing yeah. the grind, man. And, and you have that old school feeling to it. Now, nothing, I love the game today. Don't get me wrong. I love analytics. I love diving into it, the whole thing and yeah. the way the game's played and all that. But to see a guy like that, you know, kind of in a sense, he was a third base coach for the, the Braves. Then he gets, you know, awarded the, the, the job to be the manager. He's probably sitting there going, man, a bit of imposter syndrome and boom, here he is at the world series with a bunch of dudes who are just having an absolute blast. I felt like a lot of youth energy in that team. It, that was just the cool thing, man. Just keep the whole Brian Snitker story and watching in the journey as they went on. And even in game six too, where like, you know, you're on, you go back to Houston. Do you change the way you communicate with these players? Do you come in and try and do this big rah-rah speech or change anything? He didn't. He went in the clubhouse. He was the same dude as they've always known. And they go out and just take care of business game six. That was, I think, one of the highlights for me, man. Yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, yeah, anytime we've been around the game, you know, a long time ourselves. But um, like guys like that, you know, we you just got to appreciate, yeah, you know, the amount of time that they've put in and, and, and what it takes day in, day out to show up to the ballpark. You know, to have the energy, you got to bring that energy. You got to bring it every day, you know, to win. That winning passion for the game. Yeah, the amount of time away from family. Obviously, he talks about his wife and what she does for him off right. the field, uh, the connection and the relationship they have there. Just a great story. Uh, nothing better than to, to see a guy like that hold that trophy up and the emotions that must be running through that guy's body. Like, oh, yeah. Mate, you know, like unbelievable. Really you cool. Think of, you think about that too, man. I mean, I'm, I'm in my late 30s, right? You've been to a World Series. You've played in a World Series. Yeah. And you've had some massive career highlights. You played 10 years in the big leagues. And there's times, and, and admit this, man, there's times yeah. for me too. You're doing some amazing things, but you do take it for granted. Like there's times where oh, you complain yeah. about dumb stuff that you should just not be complaining yeah. about, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Like about the dumbest stuff. Yeah. This dude's, you know, later mm. on in life, it's kind of like he, like the ship's kind of sailed in a sense, probably in his head. With his, whether it's his career or whether he's riding that bus all over the country as a minor league manager thinking, there's no frigging chance I'm ever going to yeah. sniff it. 
Sniff it. You know, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. dude. And the, yeah. the other part of this is too, and he talked about this as well in one of these interviews. He's watching all these young players that he friggin' loves and he's around all the time, you know, go up to the yeah. big leagues and they're coming and or they're calling him saying, hey, Snitty, <laughs> Snitty. <Yeah. I> know. <laughs> That's his Australian nickname, Snitty. Yeah. I'm hey. going to the big leagues. Or he gets to, you know, get the call from the front office and tell these kids, <clears throat> guess what, man? You, 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 you're going to the big leagues. So he's had to sit yeah. through that. Where yeah. he didn't get that chance, you know, or to and just I've had some managers where it's just like they're just bitter as you know, even if they're played in the big leagues. Yeah, yeah. You know, just all those little things, man. Here he is later on in life doing his thing, and it's yeah. just super cool, awesome. Yeah, definitely well deserved. I uh, love love seeing it. I love seeing it more so than you know you can imagine. Just seeing a guy like that, like you said, just putting in all those years, the hard work, and I think I think he'd sell you time and time over again now. Uh, the amount of years he's put into baseball, it was all worth it. Just standing yeah. there, it's all worth it. For so, sure, 100%. So, so um, good. Now, speaking of the Braves, and, and we're going to get into a bunch of free agents as we get going in, in this offseason. I mean, it's yeah. going to be a nut house, mate. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be mayhem, mate. Yeah. I'm going down. I'm going to be hanging out with you down in Orlando in December. Yeah, yeah bloody Braves. oath. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> if you're not bludgeoning around the house – I'm gonna, but, uh, mate, 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 you won't see that. I'm going to drag you out to the winter meetings in, in Orlando, Florida. I'm hoping, hopefully there's no drama, no, no carry on with these uh, CBA meetings and hopefully they get yeah. get it sorted with the players yeah. and, the, and the teams, get their act together. But um, yeah. winter meetings, December 6th and, and down your way, down in Florida. So you and I are going to hang out. Yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to yeah. be a madhouse, man. I can't wait. But there's one dude, Freddie Freeman. Right, yeah. who's just on the absolute? He's like the the he's the big star at the moment, right? He's the dude. He's like yeah. the, he's the guy. MVP last year, twenty twenty, World Series champion. Lives in yeah. Atlanta. He wants to be a Brave for life. All these yeah. things, and you look yeah, at it, yeah. well, it's a no brainer. The Braves just here. Here's a blank check, mate. Off you go. Yeah, that's it. But dude, I would do want This was brought up, brought to my attention. Remember, Albert Pujols was offered two hundred and ten million. From the yeah. Cardinals, thinking he's a Cardinal dude, like that's yeah, he's a lifer, he's a lifer, and then he went two hundred and forty million. He went over to to the Angels. Just it still looked yeah. weird to me. Watch, it still looks it still looked weird to me watching him yeah. years later with the Angels. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to see someone in a different uniform. Sometimes it'd yeah. just be it'd be hard to yeah, it'd be hard to fathom. Let's hope the Braves can keep him there. Sounds like obviously he definitely wants to stay there. They want to keep him there, and uh, it's a perfect fit. Uh, I think everyone knows that it's just going to come down to the dollars. Yeah. Um, the sense is there. It all makes sense. Uh, it just comes down to the dollars, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. I like it. Yeah. Uh, you had that written down, didn't you? Yeah, you- it was in my back pocket. fell out. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're right, dude. And, and one thing, and, and I've talked to you about this too, you have that, that obviously that really good experience with the team, Yeah, yeah. whether it's the – you know, you with the Rays or even with the Oakland days going to the playoffs, but then a couple of days go by. Now he's, he's in Atlanta still. They're doing parades and every and whatnot. Hey, by yeah. the way, speaking of the parades, you see Matstick, the, uh, yeah. the, the cops, <laughs> he jumped off the bus and the cops grabbed him and handcuffed him. <laughs> thinking he was a fan. Unbelievable. It was insane, dude. The bloke was nearly an MVP. Turns around. He's a, he's a criminal. Yeah, <laughs> but there's so you know it's so funny too. Like you, there's so many videos. I gotta say that everyone's in such a good mood watching that parade. Yeah. He was too. He's probably you know a couple. Probably of, laughing. Why? Like, it'd be any time you get arrested and you're laughing. 
Exactly. So they threw the cuffs on him and, and took him off just as quick, probably. I they suppose, tried to, and then some PR did some. Someone came yeah. sprinting over and just yelled out. I'm sure a couple yeah. of fans would have said something. It was so funny, man. Yeah. Cops probably that. got fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the um, yeah, and the, it was funny too because there's fans who were filming it, but they're all kind of giggling, laughing. But you're thinking to yourself, yeah. man, they could literally take him away. If someone doesn't come in the venue, they're going to take yeah, this yeah. dude away. He's gone. He's <laughs> off in the paddy wagon. Yeah. <laughs> and he's probably you know six or seven beers deep by that point. Maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, not. Maybe. Yeah, nah, who knows? But yeah, good on him if he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should be having a good time anyway. 100%. Absolutely. But, you know, it's just yeah. interesting. And back to uh, Freddie Freeman, still in the honeymoon phase after the World Series and the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there comes a time if you let this linger on too long and someone's ego gets bruised or whatever it may be, someone something gets says, man, you, you're in – you know, you could you could lose it here. All of a sudden, the the Dodgers or the Yankees come along, and yeah, I mean, you never born, know. He was born in LA. He lived there. He's an Angels fan. Who knows, mate? It could be the Albert yeah. Pujols Jr. Off he goes. Yeah, mate. I mean, you never know. Uh, I mean, they got five days there after the World Series. You know, to sign. Yeah, you know, they can sign back with that team, but they can only negotiate with that one team that they're with, their original team. Uh, after that, the window opens, mate. And if he wants to jump out. And um, take that cash, you know, it's up to him. Do a belly yeah. flop into a big pile of cash, mate. <laughs> mate, I'll tell you what, it'll be a big pile. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. true. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what it takes. I mean, the, I think the Astros just quietly threw five years, 160 million at Korea. Saw that. So uh, you can only imagine what, what Freddie Freeman's probably looking at. But then he was on his, speaking of Korea, I forgot about that too. And because the other day I was just looking, he was in New York doing something. I don't know if that was Photoshopped yeah. or something, but he was on, on his Instagram, you know, story, just probably ruffling yeah. feathers. You know, yeah. Staring, oh, he was yeah. in New York. Yeah. He, he was, oh, Times Square or doing something stupid. Something yeah, like they that. They do so, that. They do it. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. going to know that, hey, make sure you're listening because I'm up here in New York or I'm over here in LA. And yeah. yeah Maybe just, I should have uh, done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. Got gone out of the Knottsbury farm and rode the roller coaster in LA. <laughs> Look Dropped at me. <laughs> Drop 70 bucks on a roller coaster. flying high on the roller coaster. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Take snapping yeah. photos. So, yeah, the man's oh, whoa. Yeah, he's down in LA quick. Yeah, yeah. You see, you see Correa going to Times Square. Then he's, yeah, then he's down in Disneyland with Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, they're, um, Hey, you never know. Hey, that's that's the uh, the right they have now. They've earned that right. They've put themselves in that position. So um, yeah, they market themselves a little bit, I'm sure. And yeah, I'm yeah. sure the uh, the agents, you know, involved in in doing some stuff there. But um, yeah, we'll see where all the dominoes fall here soon, mate. Yeah. So hey, all right, we'll we'll stop carrying on. We've got uh, Mitch Hanniger is about to come on. So super excited about this guy. Now again, here's someone yep. who's not leaving, not going anywhere. Um, there's no no trade went down or anything like that. And then the Mariners had this late surge. And then if you haven't read it already, go to Players Tribune. I don't know if it's playerstribune.com, whatever it is. And yeah. go check out what Mitch Hanniger had to say. It's kind of like a letter to the fans. I do have to yeah. ask him though, Grant. I've got to ask him because I don't know how you would do with this. That's a lengthy letter or essay, oh. whatever you call it an essay. Because I said to you, like, damn, <laughs> well, what is I, this? When you sent it to me, I thought they'd like written an essay. I was like, <laughs> give him an A+. Plus. But yeah, yeah. um. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lengthy, I would say, a letter to the fans and yeah. to you know people around him. 
Uh, very like- sincere though, and very, yeah. very honest guy that wanted his opinion to get across, and uh, very passionate, very passionate guy that wants to win and uh, a co- great competitor. So yeah, awesome, awesome one, guy. One thing I will ask him though, once he gets on here. Was that just a letter to the fans or are we sort of dropping hints here to the organization saying, hey, listen, man, it is time because yeah. the Mariners, you know, since uh, Jerry DePoto kind of announced this a couple of years ago, they've been in this rebuild and they've yeah. stepped up the farm system and all you've heard about is all these young players coming up, you know, Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez is about to come up and everyone else. So you have yeah. that feeling like Mitch is kind of on that, like that veteran side of the aisle here. And Carl yeah. Seager is not coming back next year, which is, you know, which is a bummer. A lot of people are upset about that, but you can kind of see the writing on the wall. So you're looking yeah. at this, and I'm sure Mitch just kind of had that opportunity, that little window to send a little message. Hey, it's time. Yeah. Let's go free agency. Let's go pick yeah. it together something, you know? Oh, for sure, mate, man. He's a, he's a mainstay on that team and, and he wants them to stack it. You know, he obviously, he wants to win a ring and, if you can bring in um, some great players, they're going to help win ball games, and that's what it's all about. So hopefully everyone's on board there, up in Seattle. You know what, too, and, and one more thing, and he's about to jump. He just texted me. He's about to jump on. But one more thing real quick. I've got him in the waiting room, by the way, on this Zoom guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But, Keep uh, him in the waiting room. Yeah, he's, he's in the he's he's in, eating, he's in the green room. Crackers. Yeah. He's eating jets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, Aussie. In the, he's in the VIP <laughs> room. <laughs> no, he's uh, I wouldn't do that to, to Mitch Hanger. There's no way. Um yeah. I'll do it to you, Grant. You're you're an MLB all-star, but he he's more important yeah. now because you're done playing. He's, he's, oh, exactly, <laughs> mate. Any, but, anyone uh, playing is one more thing before he jumps on too. You did mention these free agents. A lot yeah. of people say, oh, hey, you get offered a boatload of money and go to a team that's not winning. Like, what's the point? Because it comes a time two, three years in, you're like, screw this, man. I can't yeah. win 40 games. You talked about that a couple episodes ago. It was really yeah. interesting. Because yeah. from a fan's point of view, you look at that and go, man, if, if the Texas Rangers or the Baltimore Orioles offer me a boatload of cash, yeah, that's great. But a couple years in, you're going to be absolutely miserable, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess – you got to look at what they've got in store. You know what what are what are they plan on doing? Are they going to tell you, hey, first year might be a little rough, but hey, we're going to sign more guys. We're spent, yeah, you know, we're going to spend money. Obviously, a plan, whatever it may be. Uh, we talked about those things and having plans and the five year plans and how we don't really yeah, like yeah. it as right. a fan to sit there yeah. and watch, and especially if it's a fan of your own team to sit there and watch you t- watch your team lose a hundred games, but. It does happen. Um, that may be minim- uh, minimized this after this CBA agreement here when they uh, decide true. to, you know, possibly push teams to, to spend a little more money. So, yeah, anytime you sign as a free agent, obviously you're looking to win no matter where you go. And you have that choice. So, and some teams have a hard time trying to sign guys because of that. And that's why you get some of these big market teams. I mean, yeah, they're, they're up the top each year. They win. They go to the playoffs and guys, they, you know, they like the sound of that. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So I've just got an alert. He is in the waiting room eating jacks. <laughs> yeah, mate. He's, bring he's, him in. All right. Let's bring him in. So I'm just going to flick it over real quick here and we'll, uh, I'll, I'll have to introduce you to, mate. Behave yourself. Yep. All right. He's, he's right, a top mate. bloke. Right on, <laughs> mate. All right. Mitch, welcome, mate. Uh, thank you guys for having me. No, I'm stoked we could finally make this happen. I remember back in spring training. We're talking about getting you on the show, uh, and uh, I don't think the timing could be any better right now. 
because of your letter to the fans and the Players' Tribune, uh, which is awesome, by the way. Hey, I've got to know, though, uh, a lot of people want to know this. Is this something that, that you write all yourself or is this someone where you get on the phone with a, a writer and they write it? They kind of, you know, you work together on this because it was so well written. Yeah, it's like in tandem, um, an interview, and then, you know, we both work on it together. So I, I don't write that well, but uh, yeah, definitely had some help. I was like, like, this guy's got a college degree for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was thinking exactly the same. I was thinking, like, oh, man, this is so well written. And I get it, man. Obviously, you know, you did go to college and everything else. And I wasn't yeah. thinking that, oh, yeah, there's no way he could write this. But I'm just, it was lengthy too. I mean, Grant's like, hey, this is like a full on, you know, essay. But this is something that you work on with someone else. Yes, yes, yeah. So how did all that come about, getting a chance to write uh, in the Players' Tribune, write that letter? And there's so many good athletes writing so much good stuff. How did all that come about? Yeah, so someone with the Mariners reached out because um, the Players' Tribune contacted them and asked if I wanted to do an interview and write a story. And um, I decided that I wanted to because I wanted to share a little bit about my story in this year and and uh, ultimately just reach the fans and, and be heard and, and be able to say exactly what I wanted to say. And, yeah. and that's what got me so excited about it. Yeah, it's so unique and rare for athletes to, to get a chance to write something firsthand and, and write it well like you did. Have you ever had that, though? Have you ever had a situation where something is just completely misquoted or taken the absolutely the wrong way? Yeah, a little bit. But also, like, um, maybe cutting out pieces that I said that I really wanted to reach the fans or just yeah. about a specific moment that didn't get into an article. And for me, this was like, I get, this, I get to write and say exactly what I wanted and wanted see how I'm heard. Um, and for me, that was, that was the biggest part of it. And I was really grateful that they reached out. Yeah. As soon as I started reading it, you could totally tell this meant, uh, this meant a lot more to you, uh, than just, um, you know, a little media project or, you know, just some little letter to the fans. This, this was a, there was a message attached to this. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just wanted to ultimately write a letter to the fans um, recapping the season. And for me, the way it ended was the most fun I've ever had on a baseball field. And, and I think going into every spring training, you want, you hope to play in October and you hope to play in the world series and win a world series. And um, being able to try to accomplish that, that late in the season was a first for me. And, and I'd never felt anything like that before. And, you know, just a testament to our fans and, and the support they showed us all season as well as, you know, the future for our ball club. And, um, you know, I hope that we make, like I said, we make some big additions on our team and we're poised and ready to go for a big 22 season. So that felt different, right, from a player's point of view down on the field, that last weekend especially. I mean, I was there covering the games the week before that. The place wasn't packed, but it was loud. There was a different energy in that place. Yeah. I mean, I felt that type of energy, um, but being in a gray jersey on the opposite opposing side, right. um, never in a marriage, you know, never at home. And so that was incredible. And um, I hope every year moving forward from here on out, that's that's the experience we're getting um, at T-Mobile Park. So I want to get back to the Players' Tribune article for a second. So first of all, I mean, you start talking about your story and, and we're going to get right into that in a minute. But I just want to talk about the motivation to do that and to take that on that that letter to the fans it's more of not only a letter to the fans but we're also talking about there's a little bit of motivation here especially after that last weekend and that little bit of a taste that you guys had as players there's definitely that message that is going to this front office and this mariners organization hey look let's go i mean we're ready to go let's add what we need to add this off season and we're ready to make that playoff run 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, every year as a player, like I said, you want to know that you have a shot to win the World Series. And I think um, you always do have a chance, but there are certain teams that are more prepared than others. And, and yeah. you know, I guess are in it this year and not in it the next year. And um, mm. I think that uh, this is a year that this is the off season that we need to go in. We need to go all in for, for this coming year and for the future. And, um, you know, I just hope that they see it the, the same way the players do and, and that we're all on the same page and we can have a, a big off season this year and head into 22 ready to win a World Series. All right, now I asked you this before you came on and Grant's on with us and you grew up in the Bay Area and we had all the Balfrage down, down there in Oakland. I've got to ask, man, do you remember this guy? I mean, did you, did you ever watch him pitch? A little bit, yeah, but I was mostly watching the Giants when I was in college because they were winning all those World Series, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they got a handful of rings over there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I loved it out in the Bay Area. It was awesome. We had uh, some great experiences out there, some playoff runs, the stuff you're talking about, getting there and, and getting that playoff. And I know that feeling, playoff baseball. And and um, and obviously the plays inside the clubhouse are hungry for that. And it takes a special group of guys, like you said, that might not always come around. You can put some really good plays together, but the way they gel just becomes more impactful on the field, I feel. You know, everyone's pulling for each other. You just get that right yeah. group and they just gel together. Yeah, and I think uh, I hope to see Seattle go all in, but I hopefully this has sped that up and realize what they have in front of them, and and go out there and make those changes. And I guess we'll see this off season. I mean, it's you know, ninety wins is you know, as you know, it's 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 close, it's close. But if you can get that other five games, whatever it is, if it's a if it's another starter, if it's a guy, it's another bat, whatever it may be, whatever it is to get you over that hump, you got your arms open. It's just on that too, and you talked about this in the article. It's, you know, spring training. You looked around at this team and thought, "Hey, look, if we're around 500, well, that's great." But I feel like it, there becomes a time where you just kind of get sick of, you know, saying, "Okay, 500 baseball, yay! This is great. This is a good group of guys. Let's get them next year." We're still young and all these other things, but for 2021, did this feel different inside that clubhouse? Did it feel like you guys really, really meshed? And it felt like this was the group of guys we add just a little bit that this is going to get done. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We had a great team and a, and a perfect amount of, you know, younger guys to mesh with the older guys. And um, yeah, I've talked about Kyle a lot and how the impact he's had on me and just kind of teaching me how to go about my business and, you know, what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a veteran player and, um, and also how to help the, the next generation of guys coming up. And ultimately, I think when you're done playing this game, you want to look back and say, like, I left the game in a better place and I was there to help um, guys push the game forward. And that's exactly what I felt like Kyle's done for our, our organization and for myself. And, um, you know, I was really grateful to, to play with him. Hey, I want to talk about some of these younger players and, you know, some of the, the hype that we saw and the expectations of guys coming up who first time ever in the big leagues. And, you know, we talked about this before you came on. I, I feel like, you know, for some of these young players, you, you know, you have to have that balance. And it's tough for me. I'm, I'm on the media side and you want to be excited and the fans want to be excited and everything else. But it can really mess with the player's perception of themselves before they even get to the big leagues. And then all of a sudden they go through some struggles like we saw with Jared Kelnick. And he's looking around. I mean, he got option down. He's probably thinking to himself, man, hold on. I was supposed to absolutely kill this. And then what happened? 
or even shed long for that matter. I, I feel like, and I get it, man. I mean, look, I want to get excited like everyone else, but when you came up with the D-backs, or especially when I came up back in 2007, some of these guys, you didn't have a clue who they were. And, and, from, and from their point of view, they knew they had to really earn their spot. Uh, so I just feel like, you know, watching this year, and, and we witnessed a little bit with Jared Kelnick, um, it can definitely work against you. Yeah, it can definitely happen. Um, and I think that's, uh, I don't want to say a problem that we're seeing, but I think it's happening a lot around the game with a lot of teams um, going into rebuilds and a lot of teams kind of publicly saying that we're, I guess, not trying to win or or we're trying to win, but we're not willing to spend money this year and we're going to go in in the future. Because um, I think you want to keep your fans really interested in, in the best way to do that is to tell them, you know, we got a lot of good people coming up and luckily for the Mariners, we do have a lot of young prospects and, and hopefully they all turn out to be great big leaguers. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't always happen. And like the situation for Jared this year was a great learning experience for him. And he's going to be a great player and play for a long time. I mean, we saw him make big strides throughout the season. And uh, I think him coming up and struggling in the beginning and then going down and coming back up and playing really well will only prepare him for the future. Yeah. And uh, it's also a testament to how, you know, mentally strong he is to be able to come back and perform and then really help us win a lot of games down the stretch in the playoff race. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of pressure in those games and, and he came up in big situations and got the job done. So, um, yeah, I think in, moving forward in the future, it's going to be really exciting, but uh, there can be a lot of um, perceived pressure from fans or a player putting it on himself, you know, getting so much attention, so much time in the, in the limelight while they're in, you know, a ball. And uh, I think uh, that's been happening more recently in today's game where I, I feel like maybe when you guys were playing, a guy would get called up and you're like, who is he? And they're like, yeah. he's a top prospect. And you're like, so what, you know, yeah, now well, there's just so much. It's like, Hey, the whole city knows that this guy's oh, getting yeah. called up where, um, yeah, that, I, that probably how it, it wasn't like that in the past, but um, uh, hopefully, you know, guys keep getting called up and they, they step up and they do well right from the get-go. But uh, I think oftentimes you see that even a lot of the game's greatest players, when they got called up when they were young, there, there, was, a, there was a time of struggle. And that's not always a bad thing. That can, that can definitely propel you in your career. I mean, when I first got called up, I didn't play well in my first 40 or so games. And then the offseason, I knew what I needed to work on, came back the next year and had a good year. Hey, going back to the days, you know, before you were Mitch Hanniger, what we see today, you know, 39 bombs and, and an all-star Mitch Hanniger, going back to you, and you mentioned this in the article, where, you, you know, you get traded over and uh, all of a sudden you're with the D-backs and you just feel like you don't even have a place. I mean, the fact that, uh, and Grant wanted to talk to you about this too, what is a first round of 39th pick overall doing catching bullpens? What's going on? You just don't see that. Yes. Well, I had to for a day. I was um, not playing at all. We had a ton of outfield prospects. Um, I was in double A in Mobile. And the season before I had gotten traded from the Brewers to the Diamondbacks. And uh, Kevin Towers was the GM at that time. And he got fired. And then we had a new GM uh, come in. And it's kind of like they had their guys. And I, I went from being a prospect to not being a prospect anymore. And so went to double uh, it to start the year played a little bit and then just we got a couple guys in the trade that were outfielders so I went to just not really playing at all and then one of our catchers got hit in the face in batting practice and broke his nose and had to get like emergency surgery and so you know being a 
first rounder usually don't get asked to do things that I know another guy might get asked because they don't want to get you hurt. But they were like, Hey, we need you to catch bullpens. And I was like, okay, whatever you need me to do, but I don't have a future with this organization. Like, that's how I felt. I was like, if they're asking me to do this and like, that's how much they think of me. Right. Where I was like, I'm never going to get to the big leagues catching bullpens and not playing in double A. So I had asked to be sent down a couple of times and finally, um, cause I was playing pretty well when I had my opportunity to play. And, and finally they were like, yeah, all right, you can go down to high. A. So I drove down to high a from Visalia or from, uh, Mobile, Alabama to Visalia and then played the rest of the season in Visalia until I ended up breaking my handmate that year. Um, but I played really well in, in high a, and then the next year went double A triple A big leagues. Yeah, I was, I was, that was the question I was going to ask you. I was a bullpen guy. I mean, I was a starter in the minor leagues, but then a bullpen guy kind of moved me into the closer role. And I was like, I never saw any first rounders come down there and try to warm me up in the bullpen. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. what's going on here? I'm like, yeah. this, something's not right here. You told me this guy was a first rounder or th- a 38th <laughs> pick or 38th rounder. <laughs> I had, to, we had, to, yeah, had to do a double take there. And I was like, yeah, hang on a second. For me, it was like, for me, it's like, sure, I'll do whatever you need me to do. But then in my mind, I'm thinking like, this isn't good, you know? So when you got traded from the uh, from the Brewers to the D-backs, like day one or day two, you're thinking to yourself, you know, this is exciting. This team really wants me. It's oh, me. yeah. But as time went on, and, and I've seen this happen too, where guys go to new organizations and they're not the draftees of those guys in that front office. And now all of a sudden, they're sitting out in the cold. Yeah, so that first season I got traded over, I played played okay. And then in the off season was when they got new GM came in and then it was like... Yeah. I thought everything would be all right, but I I went to a big league camp the previous year with the Brewers and played well. So I assumed that, and I finished in double A, so I was assuming I would go to big league camp and didn't get an invite and then went to minor league camp and then was backing up a ton of games, um, you know, at spring training and not really playing a lot. So I was like, this is kind of weird. And then kind of seeing it with some other guys as well who got traded the year before, like me. And I was like, okay, you know, I see kind of what's going on. And I was like, I just got to take advantage of every opportunity I get. And, you know, it was definitely very tough and uh, frustrating, I think is the best way to describe it. Cause I was like, all right, I just got to keep working hard, like yep. play well when I get my opportunity. And I felt like I did, I played pretty well when I did get my opportunity, but it was really a blessing in disguise to go down and play every day. Cause that's yeah. what I wanted. I was like, if I go down and I play every day, I know I'm going to hit well. And hopefully I'll open up their eyes and they'll realize that I'm a better player than they think, right. or hopefully yep. another team sees me and I get thrown into a trade. Yeah. And then that's exactly what happened after I made my call. I got, actually did get called up with the Diamondbacks, but then I get traded to the, the Mariners. And it was like, at the time it was the Mariners were like, no, he's, he's more than a throw in. But a lot of people were like, yeah, this is just the small piece in the trade, you know? Right. Um, so, but, so you felt, so even different circumstances, you've obviously already been called up, but you felt a little bit of that, even getting traded over the Mariners. Like, oh, no, here we go again. I'm going to get. Oh, not at all. In. No, no, oh, no, no. no. Not at all. I was ecstatic because okay. I thought, you yeah. know, here's my opportunity that, right. and, and you know, when I Depoto called me after the trade came through and he's like, you know, we see you playing in the big leagues this coming year. And um, we don't know what our, what our uh, roster is going to look like as we go through this off season. I'm sure there might mm-hmm. be some more changes, but like, you're going to get a lot of bats this coming season in the big leagues. And um, Seth, Seth Smith was currently on the roster at the time of the trade. So it was like, you know, you're going to share time with him and yeah. we don't know what's going to happen, but you're going to be, you're going to play. Um, and then he ended up getting traded and it was like, you know, you, if you play well, you'll be the everyday right fielder. Um, so it worked out great. And I think if I had stayed with the Dimebacks and that trade didn't go through, I would have just been fighting to make the team and, you know, who knows what happens. 
Yeah. I played I played with Seth Smith. I know I know who you're talking about there. Yeah. Lefty. Yeah. Yeah. But um I can relate to some of the things you're talking about in my career going back and changing of GMs and 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 things like that. But my question to you is too, I I played with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I'd say, you know, GM didn't believe in me. I said, all right. And I was going through injuries and things at the time. So I was a little bit tougher because I couldn't perform to show them on the field. But later on in my career, things that I had sort of felt or maybe heard or whatever, I really helped that to uh, project me forward and to really take that out on the field. And it's like, all right, you guys, you know, gave up on me or you don't believe in me. And, you know, I wouldn't vocally say anything, but I'd go out there with my game and really, um, you know, take that to the field. And I feel like maybe you're that kind of guy that, hey, maybe you were the smaller piece in that trade, but, man, I'm going to show you, hey, this is who I am. And then uh, I'm not, I'm not a small piece. You know what I mean? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I love it. Oh, absolutely. I love, the, yeah, I love the attitude and the, and the fire and the passion about it all. That was definitely the mindset. I mean, when I was going through the stuff with the Dimebacks and eventually get traded, but I was just like, give me an opportunity to prove to you guys that, you know, no, I was, I would always say this respectfully, but like, I don't think you see me as a big leader and I know I'm a big leader. So like, yep. if I get the opportunity to play every day, I'm going to prove it to you. And then, um, same with, you know, going through a bunch of injuries and people writing you off saying that, you know, he'll never be what he was and who knows if he'll ever make it back. Um, that's all motivation for me. And, and for me, it's just like, I got, I got enough motivation coming from within, but um, a little extra motivation here and there is nothing. Uh, yeah. It's always good. Mitch, I had no idea, man. When you got traded over to the Mariners, I just looked at that and thought, well, you know, he's a big prospect. He's got some big league time in and they love him and he's, you know, auto, you know, on autopilot to get to the big leagues. But like Grant said, man, you had a little bit of that that chip on your shoulder, even coming over to the Mariners, um, and just felt like you wanted to prove some people wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think um, to me that kind of goes back to like the pro the prospect thing. Like you're a guy, I got called up to the big leagues. I was up for 40-something games before I got traded. I had hit like 230. It's like, so – yeah, I wasn't this big piece. I wasn't an established big leaguer yeah. like, um, you know, Gene Segura, Cattell Marte and, and Taiwan Walker. I was a smaller piece in the trade, but I knew my value and I knew that I was, I'm a good player. And I knew that I could, um, I would say surprise some people. And, um, you know, I think I played this game in a long time and, and put up some good numbers. So I, uh, I never doubted that for a second. And, you know, and I thought that uh, this was my chance and my opportunity and I wanted to run with it. So it sounds like that little chip on your shoulder or wanting to prove people wrong kind of served you well, man, after, after you had these surgeries and, you know, with, with, with the, the uh, you know, all the time missed and you have that feeling like people are doubting you, you know, on whatever level. But you have that feeling, right, where, where you know, it feels like there's that, 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 that voice or that, that kind of vibe out there where, where people are doubting that you can get back to where you were. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of people, but I think like in – justifiably so like a guy has two surgeries yeah. in one especially spine yeah. surgery like is he ever going to be the same like that's yeah. definitely and it's a valid question like i think that for a lot of players you can see that kind of being the spiral towards the end of a career but for me i wasn't going to let that an injury define me and i wasn't going to let a surgery get in the way of where i see myself going and i see myself playing for a long time and being healthy every year yeah, I remember it was the beginning of 2020 and I was talking to some of your teammates at spring training and I was like, hey, you know, what's the deal with Hannigan, man? Like, what's the update? And they're like, man, he, hey, he's small. He's lost some weight. And they uh, they couldn't quite go on. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they can't quite figure it out. Yeah, like when at the time I had my surgeries, like I was um, 
I had the sports hernia surgery January 31st. And then 14 days later, I had my spine surgery. And it was like for the, that whole month, like I was limited to just walking. And for me, like I trained hard and I I lift a lot of weight. So I just melted away with, with muscle and I lost close to 25 pounds. And so it was like, if I'm not able to work out, like I'm going to just kind of, I'm going to get like, I'm probably when I'm done playing, I'll be very lean and, and, you know, not huge, not big. I'm and I'm, I'm yeah. I yeah, hope like that's who I am. If, but... I, if I don't go to the gym and don't eat, I don't put on weight. If I sit yeah. on the couch, I lose yeah. weight. It's weird. Yeah, I think I'm skinny by nature. For So for me, it's like the lifting yeah. and the eating a lot is what, what keeps my weight on. And that's what, um, when I was unable to do that with all the injuries and surgeries, I had melted away. And then I think by um, late August, I was back up to 210 and, and feeling good. I think there's some stress involved too. You know, I remember 2010, and I'm different to you guys, man. I, I, 2010, I was stressed out. I was sucking. Had a terrible year. I put on like 25 pounds, man. I was huge. A lot of it, like I was trying, like I was working my ass off. Yeah, I was eating. A, I was eating a ton, eating a ton of shit food, and and I was just stressed. I mean, yeah, Grant, you're the you're the total opposite. You're the the Mitch Hanniger body type. Yeah, I stress out. I lose weight, man. I'm like, Jesus. But I, I think like people put too much emphasis on weight. Like, I think you'll see some great players that yeah. are bigger, huskier guys. And then the, the team's like, you need to lose weight. And so they lose a bunch of weight and they have a terrible year. Yeah. Or you see the opposite where a player's like playing really well and he's skinny and they're like, no, you need to put on 15 yeah. pounds. So they put on all this weight and then it takes yeah. away from their mobility and their elasticity. And then it's like, they have a bad year. So it's like, you got to find that natural, like yeah. uh, buffer to where you're in, you know, yeah. that five, 10 pound yeah, range that, that, that you perform with- well in. For me, that's called that fighting weight, mate. Yeah, exactly. Right, that like, fighting weight. And when you're ready, yeah. the bell rings, you're ready to go. Yep, I agree. Yeah, yeah I got done playing, and I looked at myself. I was like, Jesus, dude. Like, <laughs> I just want to slip down just to just to look normal. I mean, mind you, I look at a piece of cheesecake, and I'm putting on five pounds. Boom. Oh man. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm trying, but uh, hey, real quick, I want to go back to to the article, and you talked about playing three innings in excruciating pain after you got you know, the ball off the testicle and, and, you know, like you said, that's when the shit show started. But I want to get back. You mentioned you played three innings in absolute pain. And I feel like I'm watching you, you know, the last couple of years and you don't show a whole lot of emotion, but I feel like your pain threshold is going to be a lot higher than, than mine or a lot of us listening to this podcast. So just if you can describe to me what that felt like, those three innings, what kind of pain are we talking about? Um, I would say it's, you can't explain it. Like, I don't know how to explain that. It was, it was brutal, but, um, for me, it was like, you know, it squared my thigh up like really bad. I had a huge bruise on my thigh and it just clipped my testicle and I, and I should have been wearing a cup and I wear a cup now. And you know, for all the younger players and even my teammates, I'm like, Hey guys, wear a cup. So this doesn't happen to you. Um, cause it was kind of a freak thing. And, um, but yeah, it was brutal. For me, it was uh, the running. And I was like, I would get in the outfield and I'd have to run. And I was like, this is brutal. And, and I kept thinking to myself, like, I'm not diving if the ball's hit to me. And so that's when I was like, I got to come out. Like, if I if I blow the game because I can't make a catch that I normally should, like, that's that's unacceptable. So I was right. like, hey, I got to I gotta tap out. And, you know, everyone's like, all right, yeah, we'll see what's wrong. Like, hopefully it's nothing special. I'm like, all right, me too. And then it just got, it kept getting worse and worse. Hey, with the back issues, I mean, did you have any back issues, you know, before all this? Um, I had like back, I had a strain before. Um, and then, yeah, nothing, nothing 
nothing crazy. Yeah, right. It's interesting because um, you know you, you look at everything you went through, and you know you got to ask. I mean, you know, was there was there back, little couple of back niggling things going on, or something you know below the spine that was messing your spine up? I had chronic back issues as a player, uh, so I'm always curious. You know, when, when you when you see that, you know, was there something underlying, and then all of a sudden when shit hit the fan, yeah, boom. No, I mean it seemed to be. Oh, I'd had uh, I would say like tweaks that had come up from playing but nothing that i'd missed time from yeah right. nothing that was and then that this all kind of spiraled down from ultimately having that tear that um was undiagnosed that led yeah. to the back injury and then it was like no one knew it was there so they were like just rehab your back and focus on building up your strength of your back so the whole off season was building strength on my core and my back. And then once I started really ramping things up and it was once I started really challenging myself on a machine to where I was like swinging and missing, then one day I just like woke up and couldn't walk. Right. And then it was yeah. like, all right, there has to be something else that's making the back bad because your back is strong and your core is strong. So then I flew out to Philly and got the MRI in my core and they're like, all right, you got, yeah, there's, yeah, right. there's terror there. Yeah. That's yeah. devastating news, right? When you, when you feel like you're that close and then all of a sudden, you get that now you got knocked back with something else yeah and definitely it's another hurdle yeah uh, yeah that was that was a tough one but um how long did it take you to recover from that the back surgery uh the the groin the the other so i had the i had undiagnosed. the right adductor attachment tear surgery and the left adductor attachment tear surgery it's basically one muscle they did both um that and then the back surgery 14 days later I couldn't do the rehab for the core surgery because my back was so bad. So mm. I was basically doing two and one that whole year and got close to hundred percent, I would say by um, September ish. So want to say eight, nine months, but I hadn't yeah. swung a bat yet. So it's tough to say I was hundred percent, but I was, I was running, I was lifting, doing all that stuff. And then I started hitting um, in November. Yeah. I happened to do my deep dive research before i get a chance to talk to you and, and doing my uh my usual stalking on on facebook uh um, facebook on instagram and watching some of your workout videos working at a place called apiros uh and i've got to ask man is this a place you know because every off season i'd go into it you'd want to do the right stuff go to the right place is this a place that you found after all this happened or during or before it i mean were these guys pretty impactful on you coming back yeah, so I actually saw and met Austin right before I had all my surgeries. Um, I had heard there was a guy locally um, in the past. Well, it was open. I used to train at Sparta Sciences about an hour away from where I live. Mm -hmm. And um, I still use their software and, and they have a great um, training regimen that I follow. And now I just supplement that with with my work with Austin. And gotcha. um, I found him through a friend. He just said, Hey, you should go see this guy. He's helped a lot of people. And I've heard he's, you know, it's great. Like I've never heard anything bad about him. So I said, perfect. Why not? Right. So I went and saw him. Um, and we had a lot of good conversations and I was like, I'm in a lot of pain right now. So I was trying to figure out what to yeah. do next. And that's when I was like, I need to go to Philly and, and figure out what's wrong. And then I had all my surgeries and couldn't work with him until, um, the fall once i was pretty much healthy again i started seeing them again because i was in seattle for the 2020 season even though i wasn't able to uh, go to the field right and, and what was different about this place i mean you know obviously it's different for you but grant and i were talking about 
um, before you came on, just to, talking about you know setting up for your off season, you know finding that that place, you know looking past all the BS about you know all these promises that get made to you about you know, I'm going to get you this strong or whatever it may be, um, you know finding the right group to throw with and 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 do your bullpens with, obviously you know piecing the puzzle together for you, but but what was it about this place that you felt like man th- th- this is the spot? Yeah, I mean I think his. Uh his outlook on training, his outlook on the body and his knowledge of the body and uh, being able to identify, it's not, he's technically a strength coach, but um, it's more of, he's like a background in physical therapy and a, and a background in just like movement in general. So he's like, Hey, we, I can get you strong, but like most strength coaches are like, all right, let's get really strong. And he's like, that's easy. Like, let's get you moving better, yeah. um, better ranges of motion, strong at end range positions. Um, so it was just like a more, is way more attention to detail and um you know just by looking at me and watching me movies like you need to get better at this and that and it wasn't just kind of like the traditional like all right let's squat heavy let's deadlift and get really strong because that's that's still a part of my training regimen and always will be but it was like let's get better in the areas so that you never get hurt again let's move better let's improve um the mechanics of your body so um yeah it's been very helpful for me I found when I was going through Tommy John and things, I told guys, hey, I'd probably never stop doing this um, routine, really, to an extent, because I felt like that's what got me strong and got me get back throwing as hard as ever. Is there some things now you do at the field that you didn't do in the past that you implemented into your career now? Oh, def- definitely, yeah. I think um, just understanding my body more is basically like a, for me, it was like a blessing in disguise, like going through all the surgeries you learn more about your body than you ever had before and you try new things that you realize that you wish you were doing prior to surgery but you never would have if you didn't go through this right so for me yeah definitely I think one of the big things I've done is um, a lot more hanging from pull-up bar and in the offseason I do climbing stuff he has climbing stuff at his gym Um, Mm -hmm. and for me it's like the amount of grip strength and core strength and even groin strength you have to have when you're climbing is crazy and and so Mm -hmm. we usually do like a a hard little um, climbing session once a week at, at the gym and, you know, in supplement to all the other weightlifting stuff I'm doing. But um, so that's definitely something I've added in and also just hanging for your grip strength, for your core strength, for your shoulder health, for your spine mm-hmm. distraction. There's a bunch of benefits from that. And um, I've also gone to this. I was kind of always leaning towards this way. And then once I started working with Austin, it was like, you know, putting a lot of time and, and attention to my feet and, um, uh, most of the stuff I'm doing is training barefoot or training with, you know, uh, barefoot style, like minimus shoes. Uh, yeah. and that's been really helpful. Yeah. We've had, we've had some opportunities to get some people on American Ninja Warrior. sounds like you're hanging and, and climbing <laughs> yeah. stuff, mate. Yeah. No, that, 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 uh, that's what I was going to ask you because that's where I was going there. That's where, that's where I was going with that, Mitch, actually, because I saw the video you climbing and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I got a chance to do American Ninja Warrior and I was terrible, yeah, dude. Was, like, yeah. And I dropped the second obstacle, but you know, that's why I wanted to ask you. I got, I got right into the climbing, man. I absolutely loved it. I was going to Seattle Boulder and Company like every other day, getting right into it, even after I was done. But it was funny. I had all these, you know, these back specialists, not all of them, but a couple of them, you know, text me and say, hey, man, be, be careful with your back. And, and should Mitch do it. Yeah, climbing. Uh, and maybe it's, you know, because they'll worry about me falling off or, or, or whatever. Yeah, or just you're watching you climb, mate. You're always yeah. falling off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so you did. I was like, oh damn. No, that's how. That's yeah. helped my back a lot. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, well, I think I think maybe the falling was is not good, but I've done bouldering and um, yeah, I never try to put myself in a position where I'll fall and land like 
on my back bad, right. but yeah, I'll, I'll fall yeah. on the mat and it's fine. Cause that's what you do like free climbing or anything like that. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> free solo. Out there. Um, I just want to ask you just basically coming off of all that rehab and whatnot. I mean, I looked at your numbers here and you're always, you know, shown pop, you've shown power, but this year I felt like it took off a little bit more and coming back from your injuries and all this rehab, did you really just feel strong as ever out there? The body like changes and you felt like balls were jumping off the bat even more so than before with, yeah. with minimal effort. Yeah, that's exactly what I felt like. It was that I was using my body better than I ever had in the past. And I think going through um, the surgeries and the rehabs kind of made me focus on areas of my body that um, I maybe I hadn't spent enough attention on and um, yeah. just from, from a, through a normal um, strength training offseason, you know, you're kind of going after the big fish and not really paying attention to the smaller things. And for me, I realized that, you know, some of the smaller muscles and some of the the more weird ways of training got me a lot stronger. And I felt, you know, I kept saying that last off season and uh, in spring training that I was stronger than I ever been before. And um, definitely saw, you know, a big uptick in power. And I knew that was, that was from it. Mitch, speaking of this spring training and you came out, I mean, you looked, you looked ready to roll, man. I remember, you know, tweeting out saying, Hey, he is going to go off. I'm not patting myself on the back. Like I, yeah, the writing was on the wall that you were going to go off, but there's always that, question mark in your own head too man what if something happens like you know what, what if i have to deal with one of these injuries or what if i tweak something or what if this just isn't meant to be did you feel like you had some of that doubt floating around at, in spring training especially getting ready for this year no no because for me i've never been a guy that like has um soft tissue injuries or yeah. problems like that like for me if you look back in my injury history and it's fluke stuff it's like you know, breaking yeah. a finger, getting hit in the face, uh, foul ball that led to a whole bunch of issues. It was never like chronic things that, you know, showed up. It was never, um, you know, a lingering hamstring or something. So yeah. for me, I knew if, if I felt good and I was strong that I wouldn't get hurt. And as long as, you know, hopefully you have, there's a little bit of luck in that with like, you know, not Just getting the, hit by a pitch, but I didn't, I knew I'd play and be healthy all year. Yeah. That's stuff of the past, but it's, yeah. uh, uh, now I yeah. refer to some of my career, but I'm just thinking of, like I said, with you gone through the Tommy John uh, elbow surgeries, shoulder surgery, pitched another 10 years after that. So, man, I hope, I hope there's another 10 plus years there for you and, you. Um, yeah. you go out and go out and kill it. I amen to that. We're all hoping it's going to be in a Mariners uniform for a long time. Now, Mitch, before we let you go, and we were going to keep you around for the Aussie segment, but we're not going to put you through that. I don't want you to, to hang up on, on us and never speak to me again. I am going to throw these rapid-fire questions at you. The first thing that kind of comes to mind, just real short, quick answers, and we'll see how we go. All right, you ready? Okay. Okay, favorite place to play, you know, besides the obvious, besides the obvious playing at home? Coors Field. Okay. Most hostile fans? Uh, New York. New York? Okay. Favorite teammate of all time? It can be in the minor leagues even. Uh, Tom Murphy. Okay. Most influential teammate? Kyle Seeger. Okay. Least favorite teammate? All right. Most influential coach or someone who's made the most impact on your career? Uh, college coach, uh, Coach Lee at Cal Poly has been great for me. 
helped me a lot in college and prepared me for the big leagues. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Vacation spot inside the U.S. Someone, somewhere you've been or you really want to go or you, you, you're about to go. Uh, big Sur. We just okay. went there. So it's a good spot. All right. What about international? Um, I mean, I love coming to Australia, but it's a little too uh, far to fly for me, man. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. I heard you guys got a lot like of big it. snakes and spiders out there. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if you remember this. You, you probably don't, but we're in Chicago and, and we're on the bus and you and Ben Gamble watching a surfing video for this spot in, in Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. And I had to interrupt. I was like, yeah, hey, I've been there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I've been there. I've surfed there. Thinking, yeah, they, these guys think I'm cool. Anyway. All right. Anyway. Okay. All right. So favorite player outside the Mariners to watch? Uh, there's too many. Mike Mike Trout. I don't know. Mike there's Trout. A lot okay. Of, yeah. Okay. Where where do you like to hit in the lineup? Where's your favorite place to hit in the lineup? Um, towards the top. Towards don't the top. Anywhere towards, towards the top. The top. Okay. Yeah. Does that mean Does that mean the top four? Yeah, top four. Okay. I just want to get for me. It's like I always felt like if I get up five times a game, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna get two hits. You know, like you gotta get I somewhere. Get up, I want to get up as many times as possible. Okay. Now be honest with this one. The show you're watching right now. Some cringeworthy reality TV. Come on. Um, or not just really just watching any TV. I've been trying to put my daughter down and get some sleep. She's nearly one, right? Turns yeah. one in December. Yeah. yeah I, I honestly, I haven't. I've been watching the World Series a little bit, and that's it. I was hoping you're going to come up with some uh, some dating show or something like that. Okay. No, I hate a uh, reality TV. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. These are the last two. Did you know Grant Balfour was Australian? Australian. Uh, yeah, Grant- yeah, yeah. Okay, be honest. Did you know who Grant Balfour was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I figured you grew up in the Bay Area. You, you, you may have watched him pitch all the Balfrage, but I knew, I knew you hadn't faced him uh, or anything, anything like that. You can cross. Balfour. No, I was like, I knew he was a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Mitch, this has been so much fun, man. I, I, I'm hoping the Mariners make some big moves in 2022, and hopefully, you'll come back and join us again one time but i'm looking forward to to witnessing everything coming up here in 2022 my man yeah thanks for having me guys i'm an instant fan listening to that i love hearing those stories man yeah that was awesome right um what a guy huh and just the passion he has for the game and the drive he's been through so much i had that that same feeling just listening to him related to a lot of my uh career along the way just going through injuries and uh, adversity and and just sticking with it and sticking with it. And the guy, he just has a lot of passion for the game, the drive he has to want to get better. And now that he has, now that he's healthy, he's just got all that in the rearview mirror. Yeah. And there's probably parts of that that have made him better, uh, different parts of his routine now and understanding his body in different ways, the way it yeah. works and the strength that he has now that he's built around his body. Mate, I think he's in, in the best shape, some of the best shape he's probably ever been in. And that showed with his numbers. Ridiculous, man. You know, it's funny too. And I was thinking about this towards the end and I got that feeling, you know, I, I got to ask you, I mean, was I banging on too much and diving into these injuries too much? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what I yeah. love. Because obviously when you've been through all that and you want to, yeah, okay. You want to talk about that when it's all said and done, but right now it's like, no, no, no. I just came off a good year. I'm 100% yeah. healthy. Off I go, yeah. right? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, he's you know, he like I said, that all that's in the rearview mirror to him, and he is he's out there on the field, and he's all about winning now. He's healthy, he feels great. He's like, hey, I'm ready to go. Here I am. Let's go. And he showed it, and uh, he's a big part of that Seattle Mariners team now, and uh, he he wants to be there for a lot of years to come. I was hoping he was going to like sort of catch on to my joke here when I said, oh, 
Did you know who Grandpa uh, was? Yeah, oh, yeah. I wouldn't even say no, no idea. I was hoping, yeah. but anyway, all good. That, that was yeah. good. At least, and I and I was I was glad I got a laugh out of you too. I was like, oh man, if Grandpa yeah. be like, oh yeah, whatever. Nah, if he says no, that's all right. I mean, no worries. <laughs> well, you did grow up in the Bay Area, so you were thinking. You know, he did say his favorite vacation spot outside of the US was Australia. So he answered right. So yes. that, that was good to hear. Now we need to transition. We have to finish off. And I wish we could, we should have kept Mitch on for this. That's grouse. Yeah. That's what it's called. It's our Aussie segment. Now, yep. this is where you learn a little bit about Australia. And this is where you have some laughs, mate, on that, that commute or in that workout and where we educate you how it is growing up in Australia or some good Australianisms. Now, Grant, I want to talk to you about this, and we've had a couple laughs over um, you know, over time about, about some of this. Sports yeah. in Australia in high school. I get asked this all the time. I oh, said, so did you play baseball in high school, blah, blah, blah. And I always sort of sit down the back of my head thinking, listen, sports in Australia work differently to sports in the USA. Here in the States, yeah. the major sports, basketball, football, baseball, you play through your high school team. You play high school, whatever. Yeah. And then you go off and play your select teams. We just don't have that in Australia, dude. We just don't no. like, there's no baseball team where I went to high school. I didn't have a high school baseball team. There was three nah. dudes who played baseball, right? Me and yeah. two other guys. And yep. uh, one of them, Luke Bryan, who's, who's one of my best friends <clears throat> to this day. And yeah, maybe one other dude. And the yeah. other part of this is too, Grant, you, your school is a little bit different. Now you went to private school. I went to public school. So yeah. that, that tells us a lot right there, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah. had all the facilities and the money. We just had a dirt patch, man, out on the field. <laughs> <laughs> you were your hard, hard pitch, hard pitch, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Taking a spear tackle into that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, lunchtime footy. So first of all, just on that, if you want to play yeah. any sport competitively, not any sport, yeah. but, but especially baseball, right, or even basketball yeah. for that matter, you got to yeah. play on a weekend, man. you got to play that, that Saturday yeah. morning. There's no high school baseball. I love how yeah. they do it over here too. I love the fact that in the States that, you know, they have those – you know, the, the, the high school football and everyone sort of gets around. It's a big deal in some of those Southern states where you're from, Florida yeah. and everything else. But I do want to dive into um, the sports carnivals. <laughs> <laughs> mate, but let's bring, bring back great memories, mate. Oh, mate. I mean, got, honestly, I loved them. I loved them. I really did. I really yeah. did. I was, it's kind of, I think it's kind of why I went to school, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So just to explain, and, and I, I couldn't imagine you, mate, at the uh, at the athletics carnival. I'm just going to explain real quick. When I say yeah. sports carnivals, it kicks off the year. Usually, I, I'm pretty sure this is this is pretty standard across the country. Yeah. You have the swimming carnival, right? Now yeah. you have some gun swimmers in your school too. Some dudes who are doing some serious laps at 5 a.m. But you have yeah. your swimming carnival, right? It always kicks off. You know, that's the first yep. sports carnival of the year. And then you have yeah. your cross country and then you have your athletics carnival, which is yeah. basically track and field. So yeah. first of all, I was a bit of a gun at the swimming carnival. I'm not going to lie, mate. I went yeah. to I went to nice. zone. There was, for us, it went high school. If you win that, yeah. you go to zone. Then you yeah. go to regional, and then boom, you go to state. I'm telling you, mate, yeah. the the 50 meter relay, state home bush yeah. that had the Olympics. My bad. Oh yeah, damn, mate, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, you, I, I mean, you grew up, you grew up in that ocean swimming, and then, mate, as soon as you put you in the pool, mate, you're probably like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> like the torpedo, <laughs> mate. It's like the torpedo, <laughs> off you go. Yeah, you know, it's so funny too. I, like I said, man, I, I was a bit of a gun. 100 freestyle. I think butterfly, yeah. maybe. I was, man, I was gassed by 50 meters of that freestyle. Oh, oh that yeah. I thought it'll get you. That was, that was rough as guts. You can't but, be bludgeoned on that. Well, sorry, no, I'm not supposed to use it in there. But, I've already yeah. used it, mate. I, I already beat you uh, to yeah, it. Yeah, you, got, you definitely won the Mars bar. 
for sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm about to <laughs> smash it right here. But hey, give me some energy for the swimming carnival. So you, there you go. at your school, you guys had four teams, right? Like houses. Yeah, in um, elementary, which we call you know, primary public school. school, primary school. And um, yeah, in primary school, we had four houses. So I was, um, I was in adventure, actually, at, at the school I went to. And it was just kind of in alphabetical order. It'd be like probably A to E or something like that. You know, it'd be adventure and it would go on like resolution, discovery and, and, and whatnot. I but, remember um, that. Yeah. Oh, my God. oh, I know, mate. It's, um, and then the kids be there, like, you know, yelling, adventure. <laughs> adventure. I could still hear it ringing in my ears now, mate, just as you're about to jump in the pool. With the yellow Absolutely. hat on. And, and you, your ear comes out of the pool and your goggles, you can kind of see, oh, and you yeah. see them all, yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah. how close am I? My <laughs> you hear the cheer and you're not sure if you're in first or if you're in last, but yeah. you just keep going. <laughs> but I used to do pretty well. Used to do pretty well myself, mate. Loved, uh, loved the swimming and used to do a bit of swim training and stuff. But we did have one gun, mate. He was hard to beat. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Soon as he was, soon as he was in the water, he was gone. He was gone. And um, yeah, I thought he had his flippers on most races. He was that quick. But hey, um, did yeah. you ever have? Did you ever have an instance where you jump in, your goggles come straight off? <laughs> oh, I did. I did. I've had that happen before because you know you're using these whatever name. They're speedo maybe, but they're not yeah. the greatest goggles. Nah. There's nothing worse though when the nothing goggles worse. go off and they're around your neck. I saw. I think I actually saw it in the Olympics this year. To some happen to some girl, no way. or they're or they're actually up on a head or something. They they actually moved on a face. No way. She just kept going. Yeah, it's it's definitely makes for a bad day in the water when when that happens. Oh but, man, um, I mean the athletics cross country. I was I was a killer at the cross country. I'd, I'd smash that. I'd absolutely smash the cross country. I love 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 me distance. And then well, because you know it's funny we we talked about with. We talked about with Hanniger talking about losing weight, right? He said, "Oh, yeah. he just lose weight. He's naturally slim." So yeah. just like you, you know, you're like if you're built like a runner, and yeah. you you, know, you live like a madman, and then you get you know all jacked up, whatever. But naturally, for yeah. me, I'm not a runner, mate. Cross country was just hell on earth for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I was out of breath ten minutes in. I hated long distance running. But yeah. you, matter of fact, you held the record for the twins, right? The the at spring training. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to do a mile run, and then you had to come in and do a two and a half mile run. Right. And um, for a while there, I, I remember um, one of the pitching coordinators. He was like, "Yeah, mate, you you twelve minutes thirty, still the record down here." I was like, "For the two and a half." I'm like, "All right, eh?" <laughs> but yeah, I do. Uh, I I did used to go out at night and run. You know, and I'd pretend someone was running behind me and I'd be like, come on, come on, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was so push myself. That that was tough for me, right? I I I don't mind running distance. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I just remember being a kid, man. I was a little chunky, a little heavier than the other kids. And you yeah. always had those guns. You always had that, always had that, that grand balfour could just run for days, mate. And I was like, oh, no yeah. shot. As soon as you yeah. hit that first hill, like the gun goes off, whatever, like the cross country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it is. It is. It's a tough sport. Um, oh, yeah. These days, these days, forget it. But, and and, um, and I'm going to know this, mate. Little athletics, not little athletics. Sorry, you probably did that before. Um, yeah. that, that's something you do away from school. Sorry, the, the athletics carnival. Yeah, I guarantee, mate. For you, you're going in every event, right? Oh yeah, mate. No, I was I was going for the age champions. So I figured, you know, if I come first in one, a couple, then second or third or fourth in some, you just get points. You just get a point for going in any event. So. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd do the the mile, then I'd run down there and do the high jump right after it. <laughs> and you know, whatever happened, happened as long as I go for that age champion every year, you know? Yeah, so, right. Uh, it there was, was one year. There was one year where I just I skipped the whole I think it was the uh, the swimming carnival, mate. I think my mum was yeah. delivered. Because every year oh. I'd go in, I'd do pretty good. And then I got too yeah. cool for school. I went through that phase where, like, you know, yeah, yeah, had a skateboard under my arm every two seconds and I, you know, took yeah. off, went down the beach. Took off down the beach, mate, for the day. <laughs> Yeah, went to the skate park. Like, yeah, I'm too cool for this. Yeah, I remember fish and chips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, but then I remember regretting it after. I'm like, oh, what was I doing, man? But uh, yeah. you know, swimming, I, I, I did pretty well. The swimming, um, shot put could try the could try the shit out of that shot put, mate. Yeah, mate. Love it. But the uh, I, I'd go in everything, you know, 100 meters, 200 meters, um, yeah. you know, 800 meters. But mate, there were some guns, mate. I, I got to say, like. Yeah, yeah. I, I, did you scissor kick over the high jump or what? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I used to do the frisbee flop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I remember. I think yeah. my sister taught me how to do it properly, like you know the way you sort of kick your legs over, and, and I was yeah. off, mate. All of a sudden, I was breaking my personal best by yeah, good meter. By meter. <laughs> Oh, you, know, right. it's, you know what else do? I don't mean to keep banging on about this, but you'd get those kids that age. I think it was around like 12, 13, 14, right? Yeah. And, and mind you, in in, this, in Australia, high school goes from year seven, seventh grade all the way to year 12, 12th grade, right? In in the yeah. States, I had middle school, whatever. But you'd be at that age too. I don't know if you dealt with this, but I did. I was a late bloomer, mate. I got, you know, I started getting stronger and, you know, when I was older. But yeah. you get those kids who are just man childs, mate. They got the full beard at 13 oh, and they're oh, way yeah. stronger than everyone. And they're just yeah. jumping over high jumps like just nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, there was there was a few of those guys around for sure. Oh, yeah, I remember sure. one bloke. One bloke had grey hair, and he was in, <laughs> in, in high school. I was like, "Jeez, mate, what's going on here?" <laughs> one, one bloke's wife and kids rocked up with him to the to the athletics. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, I know. Uh, you see some things. I, I do. I am glad that they have middle school here for my kids to go to middle school before they jump in and yeah, mixing them with twelfth graders and stuff. I remember, uh, we've been in year seven and just worried I was going to get my head flushed or something from some, some year twelve kid. <laughs> yeah, well, we we'd play brandings and stuff like that. You oh, know, man. ball ball. Yeah. Oh, mate, if you didn't, you know, you'd cop it. You'd absolutely cop it. And then one of the twelfth graders would just grab you. You know, I'm being handy. Done. Yeah. <laughs> you're done. And you're just done. They drop a knee in you. Uh, toughened oh. you up. Toughened you up quick. I know, mate. <laughs> yeah, there was some. There was some scary year twelve kids walking around. Man. I remember being yeah. twelve. I mean, we're, we're how old? Yeah. yeah, twelve years 12, old. Whatever. Just twelve going to high school. Yeah. Looking, yeah, looking at these men just walking past me, I'm like, oh man, we're in the same yeah. school uniform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I know. Just doesn't seem right some days, but yeah. Oh, well, anyway, on the second time, I'm glad we didn't keep Mitch Hanninger on for this. He'd never speak to me ever again. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, well, Grant, that, that was fun, mate. Crazy enough. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, build some rapport with this guy once spring training rolls around so I can act cool and tell everyone I know Mitch Hanninger. But, uh, yeah. hey, this was, this was fun, mate. This, this is good times. And, and, uh, we've got plenty to talk about, mate. Free agency just kicked off. I can't wait yep. to dive into that. But if you haven't already, make sure you click subscribe uh, and make sure you tell your mates. That's it, mate. Uh, or anyway, Grant, I'll let you go, mate. We'll see you next week. All right, mate. Good on you. Take care. Cheers, mate.